What's up, guys? Mike and Mike from Mike and Mike Podcast. I gotta make this intro super fast. It's episode 133, but Mike and I are a day behind because Mike got snowed in. So we're gonna talk about odd time patterns and how to make them feel organic. Our featured artist, Mr. Tony Royster Jr. We're gonna check out some Sabian FRX series symbols. Listener questions, pick of the week. Let's get started. Two, three, four. <laughs> so I I did that this morning for some weird reason in the kitchen. And Amber was like, what was that? And I was you, like, what? And she's like, why are you yelling? And I'm like, no, I'm, that's how you count abandoned. And you she's counted like, your life off today? <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I can't remember what's going on. But I was, uh, God, what was I doing? I, I, just, I just remember being in the kitchen. and I, But I, it wasn't even like the way we do it. I really counted the band. And I was like, whoa, two, three. You know, and she was like, Super what weird. the heck? I know. I know. I think, and I, I, I think I was just getting pumped up for today's episode, oh, man. We, I man. mean, when you push it a day back because you get snowed in. Oh yeah, I'm antsy. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. I'm something in my life is missing. How are you, by the way? I'm dug out. We had a we had over 20 inches of heavy sloshy mashed potato snow on Wednesday. Oh, yeah, man. So that was I, uh, brutal. I heard Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel call it snow mud. He's snow like, mud. The snow is so thick, it's snow mud. Perfect description. So, which meant a bunch of trees went down, power lines went down, everything was just <sighs> mass chaos. It was like it was hard to describe. You know, of course, I had to get back from the city Wednesday night, so that was an adventure. Digging my car out of the parking ride and then trying to make it home. I ended up parking at the bottom of my in downtown of my my town and walking like a half mile to my house because i couldn't access really? the roads oh yeah it was gnarly oh that's pretty real <laughs> <laughs> definitely I'm sorry not, dude definitely I... not sunshine and rainbows this past week oh man that is that's tough stuff well yeah. keep yeah. your head up buckaroo <laughs> yeah well whenever you wonder why us east coasters have an attitude that's why yeah. it's march I, I... it's mid-march and Two feet of snow outside my door. <laughs> Trust me. Every time I visit the East Coast, I am like, I am like, I don't know how they're not more attitude-y. This yeah. is crazy. <laughs> I remember uh, I did a, a a clinic run on the East Coast during winter, and my last gig was in uh, Boston, so or somewhere somewhere in the New England area. Anyways, after the thing, the my minor rep had to take me to the airport and it was one of those crazy snow days and as we're driving mm. to the airport we're just kind of going up a few hills there's just cars sliding off the road yep. peeling off and spinning <laughs> out and he's not even budging and i'm freaking out because uh. i was like well that i'm assuming that could be us we're in a rental we don't have any special tires and and he's i'm like what happens if if that happens to us he's like then we hope someone helps us and, but it was like no panic and i'm like Oh my God! Wow, you're lucky this you got is on in the movies. I, mean, I know. Oh yeah. And then actually, I was on the tarmac for another three hours because there was so much snow on the wings that it was weighting the wings down, and they were that's de-icing the yeah. wings. I was like, good God, <laughs> this is no thank you. So now um, I've got a West Coast uh, tour planned for the next ten years. I'm just going to yeah. go smart between Sacramento and LA. That's yep. my tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I just got a uh, just got word that I'm. I think I'm getting added to a a festival or something happening in Poland. And I just, I took it because I was like, I've never been to Poland. And then all of a sudden I was like, what the hell's in Poland? Like, (laughs) where is Poland? I just know the name, but I don't know where it is. I'm assuming they have cold winters too. Yeah, I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume that there's definitely some coldness happening over there right now. (laughs) 
okay. Before we get into the things we need to talk about, yes, I'm adding something to our phrases. Our our do not say list. Yes, yes. So <laughs> okay. what do we have? We have a uh, side hustle. That's out. Side hustle was one for me. It was content when used inappropriately. Yes, um, creamy content was yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Okay, so my my the one that I've 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 been really putting a lot of effort back into YouTube in the last couple months, and I've actually been using YouTube, which I. It was kind of like the same thing as radio for me. After a while, I was so embedded in the YouTube world, I just had to take a break from it. I just got sick of because it's its own ecosystem, really. I mean, yeah, it's, totally. It's just a thing, and it's got trends. And I just had to take like a two-year break, and that's where I put a lot of effort into Facebook, Instagram, and obviously my own website. Well, anyways, I've been back for a little while, and what I can't handle anymore is crushing it in 2018. If you want to crush it in 2018 <laughs> with your creamy content, then you need to get on your side hustle and crush it in 2018. And I I get it. I know I know all the Gary Vee stuff, but I can't handle crush it in 2018. You what know are what? you crushing? About, I mean, seriously. Yeah, how about this? Crushing? Work your ass off. <laughs> Keep your head down. Work your butt off. And... If something good happens, someone will tell you about it. But you don't need to just cry. I mean, what happens in 2019? Do you take a break? You only crushed it in 2018? <laughs> like just, just do things because you're passionate. Do things because you love them. And don't worry about the results. Or, yeah, okay. or giving it a, a title, crushing it. I mean, to me, that's just... You're being a little arrogant if you think you're crushing it already. <laughs> totally. I... I, I think it should be more like, hey, make sure you feel behind the ball in 2018. <laughs> like, you should always feel a little behind. Yeah. You're the forward. worst one on the team. Get yeah. Better. I mean, well, think about how we got better at music. We always tried to jam with the best musicians where we were the worst because we knew we had to keep up with them. Yeah. No, um, no, I'm I can't imagine. It. I'm crushing it on my yeah. uh, <laughs> my drumming game. <laughs> I've got Babe, no I'll more be back in an hour. I'm going to go crush it at the open mic. Love you. All right. Bye. No way. <laughs> no one's crushing it in 2018. Oh, oh man. Goodness gracious. How's the new kit? There, Let's talk about something there is positive. A, yeah. How's the new drum yeah. set? <laughs> Dude, it's, my new kit is crushing it yeah. in 2018. <laughs> There's no side hustle for the new kit. Oh, uh, all that yes, side hustle, uh, man. You were able to afford a new kit. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. really appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so new drum set. Same sizes that I've been playing. Uh, so we've got, oh, huge announcement, Mr. Dawson. What's that? Watch what's about to happen. I've got a 14 by 20 bass drum. Hey. An 8 by 12 <laughs> rack tom and a 14 by 14 floor tom, as well as a 5 by 14 prototype snare drum. Now, wait a minute. I've changed. Why? I have always said the drums the way that the, tr- the company that I was endorsed by listed it on their website. And ah, Gretsch has, also, so when I was, yeah. yes, DW for all those years was uh, diameter and then depth. But when I went to, so, and the only reason I did this is because as I was editing the unboxing video, I listed out the sizes and I was like, uh-oh, I wonder how Gretsch lists their sizes. <laughs> I went to their website and sure enough. So just, I am now Just say it again for board. me one more time. What are the sizes? Yeah, you got it, buddy. <laughs> oh, I've got a 14... Which makes you think of my snare by 20 bass drum. <laughs> That's so right. An, an 8 by 12 rack tom, 14 by 14 floor tom on legs, 
and a 5x14 prototype snare drum. So it's a USA Custom. I know it looks like it's oak or walnut or something like that, but it's just a regular USA Custom, which is maple on the outside and the the inner ply, and then gum wood on the inside of those plies. And it's just in a finish called Antique. uh, It's Antique Maple Gloss. Mm. Which is so, a weird name for that finish because I don't see that as being antique maple whatsoever. I don't even know what antique maple would look like, but I'm not an antique dealer, so I have no idea. <laughs> I would assume if you had maple made for you in 1940, it would look like that now. But there's no way it would look this dark. So they call it antique maple. I love the finish. I wanted, I really wanted two things. There was a finish that I wanted and a drum that I wanted as far as the tone of the drums. So as far as the finish, I wanted a drum set that if somebody saw this drum set 80 years from now, they wouldn't be able to pinpoint the year that it was made because the finish was just timeless. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, cool, yeah. that's a drum set. I wanted a sound that was more modern than the broadcasters. I love the broadcasters, but I really... The two times I've been able to play a USA Custom in my sizes were both in Nashville when I did the four-stage practice method videos with Minel, and then recently when I did the Man on the Moon stuff with Minel. Both times, it was a USA Custom in my sizes, and it just it just fit. It was like, okay, that's, that's the in-between of a brand-new DW or a Gretsch Broadcaster. Mm, okay. It's not as modern and, and focused as the DW, and it's not as warm and and kind of flat as the broadcaster and it just it was perfect so yeah so luckily this kit has that sound so well you gave us some audio should we drop it in now and check it out what is this yeah let's check it out so this is just a little noodling from the actual unboxing video i haven't been able to post any content because gretch wants to put up the unboxing video first which will be coming out either today or this weekend so we can check out a little of the audio all right let's take a listen So, question about tuning. Is this the exact same tuning as you did on your broadcaster? Because that rack tom sounds like it's really singing now. Yeah, it's probably, I don't know, maybe a tiny bit looser on the top head, but okay. it's still cranked on the bottom head. And yeah, and, and this is the same miking technique, too. I mean, mm. this is just one overhead. And it sounds like that rack tom's mic'd almost. Yeah, it sound, I can hear... I mean, I think it's consistent with just this kind of vibe that you go for, but I hear just more, more resonance, more tone. It just sounds more open. The broadcaster has I, kind I of agree. more of a choked in a good way sound. Yeah, so the broadcaster does have full round over bearing edges. This has 30-degree bearing edges, and the broadcaster is a three-ply shell. This is a six-ply, and the broadcaster is maple poplar maple, and this is maple gum maple. So um, I, I, I noticed right away, I can tell you this, when I had band practice the other night, every time I'd play a fill, the band would look up at me right away and just <laughs> smile. And and then we were done, and I'm like, what's going on? Like, they're the same fills I've always played. And they're like, "There's just it's just cutting through so much better. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool, man. And so I would just say they project a lot more. It's not necessarily louder. It's just, it's. I would say this, uh, for any of the audio people out there, it's just more of a V-tone. It's okay. like EQ'd to have a V-tone. So... Less mids, the lows are lower and the highs are higher. It's got more click and attack, and it's got more beef in the bottom end. Now, when's the last time you had your Brooklyn set up to kind of have a reference point? 
Well, I have my Brooklyn's. I play them every day in my private lesson room, but I haven't put them on the stage in a while. So I okay. think that would be a. I definitely think the U, the Brooklyn would be closer to the USA, mm-hmm. right? Um, I've I've always seen it. All three kits are made in the U.S. I've always seen it as broadcaster is as vintage as Gretsch can go. Brooklyn is in the middle, and then USA is as modern as Gretsch can go. Right. Out of their three U.S. kits, right? Cool. So, well, congratulations. But yeah, especially. Oh, thanks, man. I, I'm really excited, and I'm excited to get to know this kit. You know, there's some things that you have to do, at least that I have to do with a drum set before it becomes that bond that where it's like my kit. First thing, it needs some scratches. I'm going to be playing the <laughs> hell out of the side of that floor, Tom. Um, I, I, I don't want any of my students or campers to be gentle. It's like, dude, it's a drum set. Play it. Um, so it needs some scratches. It needs to get through a couple camps of other people yeah. playing it. It needs a couple. This is probably, I, I think everyone can relate with this. It needs a couple head changings. Yeah. Right? Like you have to kind of change heads more than once to go, okay, I know what this drum does. I remember how how this bottom head always gives me trouble or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, so I've got some some things to do with it. And to you, my friend, that snare on that recording is the prototype that you and I were kind of saying, ah, it's just too thin. Mm. I switched out to the Brooklyn hoops and it's just killing. So, really? That did it. There you yeah. go. All right. Yep. Cool. It was a big hoop deal. So, all right. You want to get into some education? Sure. Let's talk about it. I'm not it. scared. <laughs> I'm not scared. So, we have the the April issue is just out. I think, let me take a look at the release date. Yeah, everyone should. If you're a subscriber, you should have it by now. It's available in stores. It's the issue with Tony Royster Jr. on the cover. We'll talk about him in a bit. But um, our good buddy Aaron Edgar did a piece on, he calls it Organic Eyed Time Patterns, a smooth method for uncommon phrases. So he kind of goes okay. through some of his ideas for how to make really weird patterns feel not so weird. So I thought we could just kind of share our own ideas on that. Do you know Aaron? Yeah, yeah, I've gotten to know him really well since he's been writing for us for is, a couple years now. Is that his drum room? Yeah, it's insane with all the yeah the sonar drums in the back wall. Wait, that's his room? Oh yeah, that's his studio. Yeah. Oh, dude, that <laughs> yeah. guy. That guy could, if anything goes wrong in his drumming career, you throw that wall up on eBay and you're set for life. Uh, yeah, he's got a heck I th- of a... I thought that was a rental place. No. I thought that was a SIR stuff. or something. It's all his stuff. <laughs> Damn. My little dinky snare wall looks uh, looks like it got some East Coast shrinkage yeah. going on. He's got to have... <laughs> Uh, he's got to have more sonar drums than sonar. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm sure sonar probably contacts him and says, hey, we have an artist coming through town. Is there any way they can uh, rent one of your kits? That's all. Well, well, good for him. I'm going to park my jealousy on the side and we can talk about education. All right. Uh, okay, so what he's talking about in this article, for those of you that haven't seen it yet, is just taking some odd time signatures that are missing one note that you're used to. So in 11-8, think of it as phrased, you can think of it as a 12-8 groove. And he's just trying to make 11-8 feel almost as natural as 12-8 by displacing the backbeat or in 15-16. You're just missing one 16th note. And he did a really cool thing by just taking every third 16th note and then at the end, um, uh, three eighth note triplets and giving you a, at least how he counted it in the video was one E and a two E and a three E and a four and a one E and a two mm-hmm. E and a three E and a four and a one. And that's really close to being evenly spaced, right? Yeah. yeah, right. So you can make 15, 16. If you do that and turn that into your eighth note, you can make 15, 16 sound almost, 
almost like 4-4. And so I thought this was a, a really cool idea. Now, you said we could talk about doing this ourselves. I honestly... I would say when I play odd time, the only thing I do to make it feel less odd is I give it the Vinny implied quarter note pulse thing. Yeah, right. I don't really mess with the backbeats too much. I just kind of say, okay, my groove is odd and it's fitting the music, and now I'm going to overlay this pulse. That would, yeah, for eighth note based odd times, right? Yep, yep, good point, yeah. So for anything in 5, 8, 7, 8, 9, 8. But um, you, you think of two bar phrases with the ride symbol kind of over the bar line second bar and resolving every other bar yeah like i I think i thought of it originally when i first started trying to play whether it be seven days or uh, saint augustine hell i think i thought of it as oh he puts the ride symbol on the downbeat and then the upbeat right yeah uh because that's how it feels to us if we're feeling the seven or the nine or the five right uh or but then eventually i just realized oh well my right hand's in seven four and the rest of my body's in seven eight and they'll meet up every two bars yeah that's kind of and a good so, one. To, you can kind of put your right hand on autopilot and not think about it too much. That's totally, a good one. totally. Um, I will say this: I I really don't play anything where the bottom number is a sixteen, and maybe because I just mm. generally play a lot of music that I don't want it to have that skip or that weird hiccup. I, I feel like bottom number with eight or in eighth notes uh, already has enough of a hiccup. Uh, but I mean, a fifteen, sixteen. If you just play straight play 15 16 there's a definite like record skip yeah unless you do like what what aaron says if you group if you play a a groove based on 316 then it actually kind of feels like right five four or five right five whatever that would be five four would triple it as a subdivision that's confusing enough (laughs) so yeah yeah. he's got one e and a two e and a three e and a four and a one e and a two e and a three e and a four and a one e and you know so I think really all of this stuff comes to <laughs> you guys can't see us, but Mike and I are both air drumming right now. Yeah, it feels like both, it feels like a triplet based five to me. Right. And the way he's written it is one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E. But when he said it in the video, he did three eighth note triplets. Uh-huh. Because I remember that caught me off guard. Um and that's fairly close to being evenly spaced. Yeah. Um so I think the key here with all of this odd time stuff, polyrhythms, metric modulation, is what kind of music do you listen to? What kind of music do you wish you were playing? And do you have a home for this? You should always have a reason to work on something. And that reason is 100% validated by you and your goals. So you can't tell anyone not to work on this stuff or, oh, this is worthless. It's like... Uh, not if you're trying out for animals as leaders. You better have this stuff down. Yeah. And so, it, it can always strengthen your sense of just time in general to work on it. I mean, I, for me, I, I practice this totally stuff. Agree. Very rarely do I play odd times. A lot of times when I'm just messing around with ideas, you know, for whatever, for my own stuff, it'll end up being at odd times. But I always have the caveat of I don't want to I don't want to start with a time signature. I just want to play and then what right. kind of time signature comes out. Uh, right. Usually ends up being an eighth note based odd time, and what I found that I almost always do, which I know I stole from Dave Weckl's first video, back to basics maybe, or back maybe it was, maybe it was the second one, is I divide the time signature into twos and threes, and whenever I get to right. the grouping of three, I basically play three over two, so the bass drum ends up subdividing that three into two pulses. Okay, so that just kind of wow. smooths it out, makes it even, or I'll play sure. the backbeat in the middle. So that grouping of three always just becomes a three over two polyrhythm. Hmm. <clears throat> so it ends Quickly. up being like, 
so if it's if it's seven eight and I put the three at the end, so it's two two three. I think of it as two two and then a slow two. Okay. One two so, three four five six. Wow, that's really Always. cool. That's very different than Always. how I play seven. That's yeah. cool. And usually the you know the the backbeat will land on one of those those extra duples that I'm superimposing. Right. Wow. Love it, man. That, I love kinda, it. that helps yeah. me smooth it out so I'm not always like counting and thinking. You know, it's, it becomes more of a phrase rather than a, a counting exercise. Well, and that's that I think that uh, uh, Dave Matthews gave us that freedom in his, you know, because obviously drummers learned a lot about Dave Matthews because of how popular Carter was. And Carter was always giving us access to Dave through Carter's interviews. Carter would say, well, Dave tells me this and Dave tells me that. And th- I remember. That was the one thing that always stuck out to me was that Dave wrote music and the phrase was up when the phrase was up. But there, yeah, but it, right. it was irrelevant if it was in seventeen sixteen. Didn't matter at all. It's like, well, then make a groove. But this is my musical idea, and we're out of time. Then I'm going to start a new musical idea. You know, <laughs> and that was the time signature. And I think that that type of thing would be really cool for a lot of drummers. Sit down on the kit, exactly what you were saying. Sit on the kit make something that you like the sound of and then reverse engineer to find out, Oh, I guess this is in nine. It's like, all right, I guess it's in nine then. But as long as it sounds good. Um, now, but I think what, so when if, oh, go ahead. that's probably something we should probably talk about our own methods for that kind of stuff. When I'm trying to come up with the original ideas, I don't think of the drum part. I actually sing to myself, either a bass line or some kind of a vamp, or I'll just okay. play something on one of my electronic pads and, and, it ends up being something that's not in 4-4. I don't think I have ever sat down at the kit and just played drums and then okay. let stuff develop. So it might be more difficult for someone who doesn't know how to play a bass or keyboards or think yeah. in that way. But I'm always well, just yeah, kind of seeing some kind of a line. For me, I definitely... I sing a line, but it's because I don't play any other melodic instruments. The line I sing is drum-based. So I might sing... And I go, oh, I think that's in three, one e, uh, two, okay. and a three e, and a one e, and a two. You know, uh, but that's kind of how it would start for me. Is and I don't know. Sorry, I'm just checking to see if somebody walked in the door. Um, <laughs> Intruder alert! They're going to steal your. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm expecting a package, so I can't lock the door for this podcast. But I also can't see the door, so when I hear something. I'm like, you don't how have many cameras, cameras are still at this point. How many cameras you got in that place? You don't have one pointed at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not tell the whole world that I don't have a security system. All right, Dawson. I have lots of security. I just keep the door locked all the time. But right now, I need a package to be delivered, man. Uh, <laughs> the laser I beams need, are off. <laughs> I need eight pounds of the green. It just happens to be tea for me. <laughs> green tea. So, uh, all right. so yeah. So, uh, but when doing all this stuff with Odd Time, I think what Aaron's getting at is don't, don't make the backbeat always on two and four and then run out of time. Displace the backbeat either closer together or further apart so that the time signature feels more natural. Um, yeah, yeah. I, thought, I think it's it's important not to think, okay, if it's 15, then I'm going to play groupings of four and always outline the one. Well, you don't have to do that. You could group right. in groupings of four with an extra 
or you're cutting one off. But then within those fours, you can accent the threes and create all these right. other subtext of, of counter rhythms yeah. and stuff. It's pretty yeah, or Yeah, I, I totally agree. Or, I mean, if you have um, a kick on a kick and snare and they're displaced by five sixteenth notes in a two bar phrase, it'll feel like four, four. Yeah. Right. Right. If you're going one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a two E and a three E and a four E and a one E and a two E. And you could just do that. But if you did that in 15, 16, it would only take two bars to get back to the kick being on the downbeat. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, this, I think it really just comes down to finding the balance between mathematics and music. Yeah, I guess that's the challenge, right? And isn't that maybe what music is? <laughs> I think it, it I mean, is essentially the whole point of it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think because I mean, if I think about the people that are just artists and don't care about the math at all, and don't care about the theory, it does sound sometimes a little too artsy for me. And when I think about the people that only obsess on the math, it doesn't have enough art and it feels too stale to me. And the people that find the uh, a great example would probably be uh, Aaron Sterling. He has all the feel yeah. in the world and knows all the math in the world. And then it just turns into this, you know, incredible thing that everyone respects. Yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Did we you. just solve everything? <laughs> well, Sweet. I mean, I, I do think it, you know, it, it kind of points to our taste and aesthetic. And which way do you lean? Do you, do you like the more heady, yes. complicated mental exercise music? Or do you like the, I don't know what the hell's going on, but it just kind of gives me an emotional experience kind of music. And right. like, where's the spot in the middle where they, they meet up? Which side and, and of really, do you sit on? Yeah, where is your spot in the middle? Because it's yeah. not going to be the same as mine. And then, and then, where do the the people that you idolize the most? I think what's fun is finding out. Wow, man! Like Mark Juliana is a great example of. Wow, I had no idea you were this heady. I really thought you were all just art when I didn't know him as a person mm-hmm. and then to find out like wait so you know everything you're doing and you practiced it and it was very structured it's like wow you don't your music is so just free it doesn't I wouldn't think that it was that structured um, not the music but the practice to lead to the music yeah right, and uh, right. so finding out what your what your idols are into is, is very cool too awesome well everyone check out Aaron Edgar's article. It's called Organic Odd Time Patterns, and it is in the, in the uh, rock perspectives area of the new issue of Modern Drummer. It's pretty yeah, awesome. Those are some really difficult exercises, so those are fun to kind of dig into. <laughs> yeah, here's here's what I suggest you do. Do what everyone does. Watch him play them, and then just, just turn the video off and be like, yeah, cool. I got it. <laughs> you know you don't, but as long as you feel like you do, that's all right. <laughs> all right, let's talk about our featured artist who, uh, holy hell, yeah. He's just been on fire since the day he arrived on the scene at the, what was it, the 97 Modern Drummer Festival? Uh, it might have been. He was on the cover in January of 2000. So okay. that was after he spent a few yeah. years kind of killing the scene. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you could even hear, in who who announced him? Was it Rick Van Horn? Probably, yeah. Probably. So yeah, and you can hear in his voice, he goes, like, Tony's done with his solo, and Rick's like, Tony Royster Dolly Jr. <laughs> like he's just like totally beside himself because no one I mean he was a kid how could we had no social media no one knew who he was and he showed up on this big old Dennis Chambers kit yeah. with 8 10 12 13 14 15 16 17 nine <laughs> splashes and just I mean I still watch that video and think what a well formatted solo that was yeah 
Exactly. It was unbelievable. Just I mean, really cool. So, I mean, that was his, his entrance. But what's amazing is he's now touring with one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. And he's in arenas every night. But he's not out there blazing chops and blazing solos. I mean, he proved to us between the Modern Drummer stuff and the Gospel Chops DVDs, between that and... And then the Jay-Z gig where he literally held down hip-hop beats every night in an arena. Yeah. And Jay-Z's shouting, give the drummer some, and, to- and Tony's just playing a beat. He just showed, like, I can be as professional as you will ever need me to be. Yeah. And I think that that's just incredible. You yeah, know? it's funny because, I mean, as soon as we posted on social media, like, we've got Katy Perry's Tony Royster Jr. on the cover. It just the comments were just amazing. Just, what do you don't waste his time with that gig? I'm like, what? Uh, what? Making a huge living? <laughs> I mean, how about it's the one of the most high-profile gigs on planet Earth, and yeah. it's not like you can just show up and play the gig. I mean, he's controlling all of the sonics Good of luck. the rhythm tracks. So, yep. like, he even says in the story, if he doesn't get if he doesn't hit the drums in a you know, certain sequence, like things are just out of control. It goes well, I, nuts. I, I, I watched a bunch of the stuff because Amber went and saw them or saw – to me, it's like she went and saw Tony Royster, but she thinks she went and saw Katy Perry, whatever. <laughs> right. um, but her and her girlfriends went to the concert, and I didn't go with them. I did go with her to Taylor Swift, so I'd seen that, but I didn't uh, see Katy Perry. And so I was wondering, I wonder what the show's like now. It must be just insane. And I watched a bunch of YouTube videos this morning of Tony playing with Katy Perry. And the stage production, it's its like touring with Cirque du Soleil. It's out oh, yeah. of control, yeah. you know? And so to have all that going on and knowing, hey, if you just get a little sloppy on the drums... There's 25 people that could fall down. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, they're on stilts. <laughs> they're like you don't you don't just like drop a little metric modulation on them. Like it's <laughs> a it's a gig and a half. So I I think that it's just an testament to Tony that we know what he can do. We see all of his sound checks on his Instagram channel. Mm-hmm. We know that he can. If anybody ever wants to get into into the octagon with Tony on a drum set. Good luck. There's yeah, good luck. four or five people that I would even put a little money on. But, I mean, you, we know that he is one of the most physically talented drummers on the planet. And then he does this gig, and he does it with a smile on his face, and he's happy, and he's and he's holding it down. And that the thing is, the Jay-Z gig probably at some point led to a gig like this. And then, and, I mean, you know, he took over for Adam, who was with Katy Perry since the beginning. Adam yeah. was with her on the Warp Tour back right. in the day. Well, I, so I think he's on American Idol with her now. So he's he's yeah. congrats for that. That's an awesome gig too. And Adam's uh, we we should definitely cover <clears throat> Adam in the future because he's a great guy. Um, but so this gig, what people probably don't understand as well is Tony's going to be playing drums for the rest of his life. He won't be playing for Katy Perry for the rest of rest of his life. So it's important that this gig opens the door for the next gig. And if yeah. I mean, look at Brian Fraser Moore. Yeah, that thing exactly. won't end all because he held down the gig and did his job and was 100% professional. Yeah. And yeah, he's still out with the, the biggest the artist archi- in the world. Yeah, he's the archetype. Him and, and little John Roberts are like the archetype of how to keep the gig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and turn it into the next gig that's bigger than the last gig. Yeah, right, right. You know, I mean, so I think that Tony is doing that. Now, do you actually know Tony? I've He's one of the few drummers I've never met. Nope. Never met. I mean, I've I've experienced him firsthand at Pasic when he was a little boy, and made me want to quit. Right. And 
Yep. Uh, I bought the Common Ground DVD with Dennis, and I still to this day don't know whether Dennis held back because he wanted to give Tony the spotlight or if he was afraid to get embarrassed. <laughs> like, I would right. really yeah, didn't don't. know. <laughs> right. I'm with you, man. Uh, actually, I met Tony once. I met him at the shop that I was teaching at. I was maybe 18, and he came in there at about maybe, maybe I was 17. He was like 10. Mm-hmm. Came in with his mom. He lit up like three kits and they left. And (laughs) I was like, what just happened? And then two years later, I buy the Modern Drummer DVD and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's that kid that made us all look stupid. Um, But, you know, he's he's a freak. And I just love the fact that I remember watching the Modern Drummer thing and thinking, well, he won't be here in six more years because he'll where are you going to go from here? He's he's going to quit. Yeah. Yeah, He's going to play soccer or he'll, you know, become a lawyer. He'll do something else. He's not going to do this. And sure enough, he's here and he's still owning the scene. Yeah. I mean, uh, and yeah, frankly, where, where do you go? He did all the major festivals as a, as a teenager. (laughs) What more do you need to do in the drum world? I mean, it's time to start making music with the real artists and get out there. Right. Yeah, and I think it's pretty cool. And I, I actually saw him play at the GC Drum Off like three or four years ago with Tori Kelly, and it was fantastic. You know, he was the featured artist, but it, when he did his solo stuff, it was incredible and it was very Tony Royster. But when he played with Tori Kelly, it was really good. And you could just tell, like, wow, that's a rare talent. There's so few drummers that can do what he can do on the drum set and still have the musical taste to really. I, I would assume maybe that comes back to his teachings from Dennis. You know, yeah, right. And yeah, how this, to be a musician? True. Dennis can really lay it down when he needs to as well. Yeah, right. He's got he's got the magic touch, which is kind of the rare. Mm-hmm. I think that's the born gift with for me with Tony Royster. He's got the magic touch. Everything he hits just feels sounds effortless, even yeah. when he's really going for it. And so, you know, it's kind of I don't get that from every drummer that has amazing chops. Sometimes it feels very physical and kind of like painful. Oh no, I feel like. I feel like there's some bull crap going on with his floor toms where I'm like, there's no way they're that low and he's getting that much response from them. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't handle that maybe he actually practiced and he put hard work into it. <laughs> I have to steal his talent somehow by saying like, no, he's got some heads that I'm just not privy to. Because, um, yeah, I mean, he'll be flying around on the 16 and 18 and his sticks are flying up like he's hitting trampolines, but they're super low tuned, you know? Yeah, and it's just um, effortless, just the flow. That yeah. for me, and I love his Instagram when he's kind of goofing and like playing like here's me really getting into a groove and he's being goofy but it right. still sounds and feels flawless like even yeah. when you're being goofy yep. and making fun of guys who like overhype their basic beats you still sound like amazing like the one of the yeah, best it's absolutely annoying. one of the best it's annoying yeah so, it's beautifully annoying well yeah. congrats to tony on all of his success and uh um yeah check him out he's not hard to find on youtube <laughs> <laughs> like type in T-O-N, and then probably right after Tony Robbins, Tony Royster comes up. So I would, I would suggest that if you haven't, try to find that Modern Drummer Festival performance or his, oh, first, his first video, which came out in 99, which is called Common Ground. That's with Dennis. Mm-hmm. And then check out something more recent. You can see kind of the gifts that he had at that age and then where he's gone with it now. It's, it's very inspiring, humbling, and also I just think it's just amazing. It's just downright amazing. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, let's talk some some gear. Uh, well, this might be like you might have to. I don't know. You might have to. You 
Wow, I'm crushing it in 2018. <laughs> crushing with the word salad. Yes, I am. A, I, I got Grammarly installed on my computer, and now I just don't even need to speak anymore. It'll just fix everything. Okay. You might have to help me with this. You are the one that reviewed these symbols, right? I did, and I've got them still here in my office. Okay, and I was confused. I thought these were, and this is just because I only saw little snippets of marketing. I thought these were Sabian's version of a quiet symbol, meaning like a practice symbol. But I think I'm wrong. These are just quieter symbols for... This isn't like a silent symbol, right? These actually make tone. Yeah, no. So there is definitely confusion, confusion because they also have a version that's very similar to the 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 um what are they called? The Zildjians, the um the silent no yeah I the low the, whatever the L- ones yeah, are, low volume <laughs> the low volume symbols. So they do have a version of that. I think it might be called Quiet Tone or something. I should have Googled it before we started, but I didn't. Um, I'll do that now. Sabian. So this is probably from them trying to make a quiet practice symbol. I'm assuming that maybe that that spawned this where they thought, okay, well, what about the halfway point between a regular symbol and a quiet symbol? Would, yeah. Wouldn't that be great for gigging in low volume situations? Yep. I mean, I didn't I didn't okay. ask anyone at the company about that, but my assumption would be, hey, we're going to do all this drilling. Why don't we mess around and see what happens when we only do a small band or just drill near right. the bell? And what does that do to the sound? And use yeah. like like good quality bronze what does that happen what happens so these the quiet tones are the practice symbols those are the ones that you know have almost no sound but they still feel like symbols these are called the frx series which are actually made of b20 bronze and they they have um i'm looking at the photos now so the ride symbol has like you know like a, a band of small holes that go around the bell and then a small band that goes around the edge and then the crashes have just the band that goes around the bell the hi-hats are are almost normal they just have one band around the bell Mm. Uh, so what they did and what the what the the idea was if you put the holes at certain spots it's going to eliminate certain frequencies which is going to in turn cause a less harsh sound so okay they're not necessarily quiet symbols they just they're just missing like chunks of frequencies that make them not sound it would as normally make them cut through music yeah, you don't perceive things. them as being as loud even though they still produce normal cymbal sounds okay uh, okay so so now i'm going to take back because i was like they failed i thought these were the quiet ones and i was like they're <laughs> no. not that quiet i watched your video no i told and then i read your description and i'm like yeah he's dancing around the issue man these <laughs> I read the whole article. <laughs> okay, so the FRX and the quiet tones are totally separate. Totally things. separate. Yep. The quiet tones That's, are the practice symbols made by Sabian. Exactly. These are performance symbols that happen to be missing some of the mid mid range frequencies that allow you to maybe play like a singer songwriter gig without having to be so delicate on your symbols. Yeah. Or I mean, I, I see them being great for like small rehearsal rooms when just the symbols mm. just kill you because it's mm-hmm. you know crushing the walls and coming right back at you. Uh, churches. Um, just certain situations great. when when you want to be able to play because you get we want to get a nice crash tone, but you you if you hit it too hard on the normal symbol, it just blows everybody away. So I was a little skeptical just for my own like I've practiced touch and dynamics. I'm like, ah, why do I want symbols that that do that for me? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that putting that ego aside, they actually do exactly what they're designed to do. There is some some high mids and stuff that's just gone. It's just not there. And gotcha. you can't really tell when you just hit them. Like you play them, they sound like cymbals. 
they're you know they they sound like thin cymbals. But I took them to a, a, a rehearsal with a, a loud modern rock band with like two half stacks and and all that stuff blazing. Uh, and it was really totally different experience. So just playing really? them in my studio in my kit under microphones, they just felt like thin cymbals. But okay. when I played them with the band, when I hit the crash at a certain point, there was no more sound coming out. It just was like oh, wow. there's a crash sound, and I can keep hitting it harder and harder, and it's just not going to go any higher. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which was was kind of neat, right? Uh, I I've definitely felt like I better be careful. These things are going to split down the middle if I hit them too hard. Just because yeah, I, I mean, was it, trying it, to get more sound out of them, but they're designed right. it sounds to not like do they that. Could, right. It sounds like you could take them very much so to the wrong gig. Yeah, exactly. And you need to know why are you buying these symbols. And I think it's one of those things that it has to be like, I love my whatever. Let's say uh, I've got a full set of Peisty 2002s, and I love them, but I can just never play them quiet enough. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Here, here you go. Here's the answer. Or you so, can never well, get a nice full open sound from them because you have to hit them you can't hit them hard so enough. soft yeah right yeah yeah and like they, they take a certain velocity to open up yeah uh well let's uh listen to them real quick so they have that like flashy attack which is nice yeah, those are great. I mean, now that I know what they're meant to be, I feel a little bit better. Because I was like, yeah. those are way loud to be <laughs> like in your bedroom with practice pads. <laughs> yeah. But now that I know what they're for, they're I, they're fantastic. I think probably for me, I would caution against these being like your only set of symbols. Because then when you get confronted with a, a normal, quote-unquote, normal crash, and you really smack it, you're going to be like, whoa, what just happened? I just got all the yeah. sound I wasn't expecting. But I think if you do a lot of... I think church gigs and that kind of stuff is where these would be perfect. Where you, where, you know, a lot of that contemporary Christian music, the drums kind of need to be pretty upfront. But if right. you play with any kind of authority and hit a normal 18 inch crash, it's going to just be way too much. I could see it too, especially when you're playing on uh, some of the rides. Like I could see it being maybe you only own one of the cymbals and it's the one you take with you to the gig where you're using a, ca- a cajon with a kick pedal and yeah, that type of thing you know so i i think that they will stick around and have a, a use for sure and uh, uh yeah man they they sounded good especially now that i know what they do <laughs> yeah they're not way practice more symbols sense. that's definitely the distinction they're not practice symbols maybe rehearsal symbols but i wouldn't call right. them practice symbols very cool. Well, they sound fantastic. All right, everybody, those are the Sabian FRX symbols. And if you want to hear the entire thing and watch Mr. Dawson play them, you can just check that out at moderndrummer.com. It is time to get into the listener questions. All right, so I want to try to blaze through the last remaining old stack. So we have, because I printed out about 200 fresh <laughs> questions. No yeah. Oh, my God. We need to do an all-question episode yeah, this we, month. We have to yeah. do that soon. And right, we so, need to do a lightning round, too. <laughs> so it's just like, answer in 10 seconds, no tangents, go. All right, let's try to make this one relatively quick. So this is coming from Calum. Um, let's see, he's still, let's, this came in. Okay, he's probably still a 16-year-old drummer. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to play professionally, um, and he wants to make a career doing gigs sort of in the vein of Mark Juliana, where it's you know more of a creative project. Uh, so my main question is, 
Um, I was thinking of going to, he says, the Birmingham Conservatory and studying jazz, but I don't know if there will be anything to come after that. Any help on how you two or other drummers did it slash studied to get where they are or where you are? I think this mm-hmm. is sort of a question we've answered before about music school. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion is go to music school if you live somewhere where there's no scene and you need to get part of a scene. Go to music school. You're going to meet tons, tons of musicians. I still play gigs and work with, with horn players and guitarists that I met in college. Um, that, that would be kind of the main benefit otherwise, and don't pay too much money for it. <laughs> so get a scholarship. Yeah, that's the, Study hard. Yeah, <laughs> so, so get, yeah, if you're 16, you got time. Practice your rear end off and uh, make it happen. Um, but I think I, I agree with you. By the way, uh, Drum Gear Review just tweeted us and said, excuse me, where the hell is my free podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Mike got snowed in. Sorry, Drum Gear Review. There's a shout oh, out. Oh, I know who that is, <laughs> at <too>. least, <laughs> At least he was, at least he's able to say, uh, I am currently bitching about the fact that I'm not getting something for free. So I appreciate that. All right. <laughs> it's coming, man. Be patient. Yeah, we got we're snow doing now. All right. Next one comes from Michael. Um, this is in reference to we were talking about building the snare drum collection, uh, but we didn't quite answer all of his questions. Could you discuss how the different show materials affect the sound and give a reference? Um, we can probably do this quickly. I think the caveat is you can make any snare drum sound however you want with heads and tuning and dampening. Uh, Agreed. But let's let's kind of go bright to dark in the metal side. Okay. Let's start metal. What would you say the most bright metal drum for you? Would I would be? say probably uh, brass or chrome over brass. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm leaving out any crazy drums. I, I just assume that a lot of people don't have access to copper and bronze. You, know, okay. you could get that, but just. Um, but I also think that uh, brass or chrome over brass has some body to it. You can get a lot of brightness out of just a steel drum, but it's yeah. it's kind of clanky. Yeah. Right, exactly. So steel, for me, would be the one that has all the high end. Brass right. would be the one that has a, a balance of frequencies. Um, then aluminum for the flat, kind of just... I mean, it can do anything, but it it seems like aluminum drums really just love being detuned and just going... Yeah, exactly. I think of aluminum as kind of like, if you want a vibey, kind of 60s sounding snare drum, that's, that's yeah. the show. So on the wood side... I mean, the harder the wood, the brighter the tone. So I would put ebony at the brightest of the yeah, woods for sure. Um, stuff yep. that you get more readily available, birch. I would say if it's birch. good, if it's good birch, I would put that at the the bright yeah. side. Maple. I think we've said many times it's kind of the do all. Yeah, and I then, think really if you were if you're starting a snare collection, the first two drums would be a great metal drum and a great maple drum. So I would probably have. A brass snare drum or like a Ludwig Black Beauty, like a, a nickel over brass or black nickel over brass. And then I would have a, a nice maple drum. And yeah. um, and I think that probably for me, if you if you lean more to the fusion jazz side things, uh, five and a half is a super versatile size. Uh, and then if you lean more to the to the rock and funk, six and a half is a versatile size. But Mike proved in the sugar uh, sugar drums that you can the you know the depth it's deceptive. Yeah, once you go beyond a certain level. For me, I, what I have noticed from the drums here is depth. The one thing that I can definitely tell on every drum and its depth is depth gives me a little bit of volume. My yep. six and a halves are louder drums than my four. Yeah. So yeah. 
however we define louder. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> oh, boy. It's starting. Oh. Well, we didn't talk about I would think the darkest wood drum would be a mahogany or something that's very soft, popular. Yes. So I think for wood drums, you got to look at the hardness of the actual wood being used. Harder the wood, the higher the pitch, the more cut. But how uh, will we define higher? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one is from Jerry. Uh, he's looking at buying some symbols. He doesn't have access to a lot of stuff where he is. So his question is, mm. how do I know what to trust based on online audio and video samples? How seriously well, should I take that? We and- are very, very lucky that uh, the side the side hustle of Memphis Drum Shop, um, <laughs> which was mysymbol.com, but I think it's now all just memphisdrumshop.com, right? I don't I think, know. <laughs> anyways, we are very lucky that they started doing what they did a few years ago, which was they recorded every single symbol they had. So you were buying that symbol from them. You weren't buying that model. You were literally buying that symbol. And they did that with an overhead and a bass drum mic. And we really lucked out that they did it that way because that became the standard. And now everyone, all the shops are kind of doing like, hey, here's a very non-colored recording of yeah. our symbol. I would say this. Find the symbols you like. Go to you know the dealer that has them online that you want to get, and then also listen to it on the company's website. Somewhere between those two sounds is what that symbol actually sounds like. Yep. And then it's always going to sound different when you play it in different in rooms. your room. Yeah, that's just the way yeah. it is. Uh, but I, I order a lot of stuff online. I, I even going back totally. to the '90s when I got my first K Custom Medium Ride, I just ordered it. I didn't even. I just called up the. I think it was drums on right. sale, and I just called them up and ordered it. And it was. It sounded exactly what I thought it was going to sound like. So. You know, honestly, most of the symbols I ordered or drums that I ordered before endorsements were from live videos of the drummers of the artists that played it, and I was yeah. like, well. This is a live recording. That person sounds amazing. That means <laughs> right. that the drum is capable of that. Yeah. If I could just play with the touch that that person did. Okay, next All one right. comes from Curtis. This is related to what we were just talking about, but we could probably summarize it. What should one look for in a maple snare drum? Mm-hmm. But it sounds good. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's so tough because it, it all comes down to what you think a drum should sound like. Yeah. Um, you know, but... I mean, okay, so maple snare drum, what I'm looking for out of a maple snare drum is a good smack. I want smack out of it. Um, and I I think we are way brainwashed to think that maple drums or wood drums don't have overtones. They have tons of overtones. Yeah, I find that my maple more. drum has more overtones. Yeah. So what I want out of it is I want those overtones to be pure. If I did my job with tuning and I have a decent drum head, I want the overtones to be pure. I don't want a cheap maple drum where I'm hearing wah, 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 you know, and reflections. Mm-hmm. And I just want it to be a pure tone. And I want to know, like, okay, I can keep those or I can put it on one piece of gaff tape and shut it, shut those down. Yeah. Um, what about I, you, buddy? Um, I think I'd look for the density of the tone. Like a really cheap maple drum is going to sound hollow and boxy, and you're never going to mm-hmm. get it to sound full. So I just, you know. I resist the urge to buy cheap wood shell snares because inevitably they're just there's something hollow missing. So right. you want denser, high quality wood. That would be it. It's going to give you just more of a chesty. It's hard to describe with words, but you know when you hear it. Yeah, just kind of absolutely. More chesty, kind of more air. It pushes more air. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, can you please say chesty one more time. Should I hit my chest, chesty. Uh huh. Yeah. All right, yeah. we got three more. Let's, let's blaze through them. We got Joel here. Oh. Um, he is. 
looking for a suggestion. He has an SM58, and he's going to use um, two mics. So what interface would you recommend? So he's got... It's, it won't matter, honestly. I, I don't think it'll matter, unless you're going big. I mean, if you're going to go with... What's a, uh, the company that you use? I have um, the Apollo, the Universal Audio Apollo 8P. Yeah, didn't they just release like a one channel or a two channel? Yeah, they've got uh-huh. like a twin or something like that. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're going to spend a ton of money, that's great. But honestly, with you're using a vocal mic, an SM58 vocal mic as one of your mics. So I would say at that level, just get a decent two channel interface. Um, M Audio makes some great ones. Um, uh, Line Six makes them. So as long as you have decent ones with decent preamps, you're going to be fine. Yeah. I would say. If anything, it, I could deal with a decent two-channel interface, and I would rather have good mics. I'd rather spend my money on good mics. Once I had good mics, then I could eventually upgrade the interface. But Yeah. His, his second mic is the Audio-Technica 2020. Yeah, so, so that's a $99 mic. So yeah. I would put the Audio-Technica right over your kit, get it kind of far. That microphone, all $99 large diaphragm mics don't have high SPL, sound pressure level. So get it you know, a few feet above the kit. Don't put it right down on the drum set. <clears throat> Maybe three to four feet above the drum set. That'll be your drum sound. Make sure it's make sure you mess around with it as far as where it's centered, so you get a good mix between rack kick or rack snare and floor tom. And then I would put the uh, fifty eight. You can put it in the kick. I mean, they have decent SPLs on those, so you can put it in the kick or in front of the kick. Yeah. All right. I think I yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. I think the <laughs> the one point not to overlook is make sure the interface has mic preamps because there are still some that don't actually have mic pre's. Good point. Good point. Just yep. for like plugging a guitar or something in. And you will need uh, phantom power for the Audio-Technica 2020. Right. Um, okay. So this one, John, this is from John. Um, he says, I have a small area in my home that I'm able to practice in. Um, along with practicing, I would like to play along to records, but I'm not sure how to go about it without the music blasting my family out of the house. Uh I figure playing with headphones is the best approach, but if my drums aren't mic'd, the headphones kill all the sound from the drums. I can't find a happy medium. Um, so he's asking, should I buy a microphone and a, and a laptop and a like a USB mic and go through my laptop to do this, or what? You know, what suggestions? Uh, th- there's a few things you could try <clears throat> if you want to do an all-in-one solution. You could do the Yamaha EAD10 that you and I are going to review um, in the future. Yep. Because uh, that will allow you to play everything off of your phone and mix it with with the microphone that the EAD10 is. The EAD10 is this microphone that just sticks right on your bass drum and it mics your whole entire drum set. So you could do that, um, or you could do what you're doing right now and yeah, get a. I wouldn't I wouldn't get an interface from a laptop. I would just get a two channel mixing board. Those things are like sixty bucks. Yeah, I'd put one. I put the you know Audio Technica 2020 into that, so you just capture your whole kit and then put your whatever your sound source is into channel two, and then you go headphones out and you're done. Yep, there you go. All right, last one from Dennis. He has a 1968 Ludwig kit with a second 16 by 16 floor tom. Uh, he says I would like to be able to use a 16 as an auxiliary bass drum. He's, yeah. Um, he says he knows that Trick has a product that allows you to do that. Um, but the mounting bracket must be fixed onto the lugs. So he's looking for other options that maybe are less permanent. 
Yeah, you mean so he's is he just looking mainly for a cradle? I would assume DW made an awesome cradle for a long time. I don't know if they still make it. Yeah, um, I don't know either. I've had the Pearl Jungle conversion kit since since 1998, and it's been amazing. So that comes with like a one of their ISS mounts or whatever they are. So it just okay. it just clamps to the hoop. You don't actually have to do any kind of hardware swapping, and it has a bracket for the pedal, and it comes with two spurs that go into the floor tom leg brackets and boom done and there you go the net also yes, has one um let's see here uh, i was gonna send you a message but yeah uh here we go check this out buddy um so yeah dw also has their they call it the dw adjustable bass drum riser and no hardware needed you just um adjust all the legs and put your floor tom in there and and it's got a it's got the place that your bass drum pedal would mount to and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. So, I remember that one. Yeah. So there's a few. Yeah. And I think the Dunnet is called R-Class Conversion Kit. Um, look that up on Sweetwater, too, while I'm there. Yeah. Check out Sweetwater.com for your <laughs> <laughs> to get candy in your box. Yeah. And let's make sure the Pearl uh, Jungle Conversion, whatever the heck it's called. Let's see what that's called. That one's been awesome. Yeah, that one is $37. Okay. And it comes with the... What it doesn't come with, it looks like, is the actual suspension mount. So you have to buy the ISS mount separate. But that's like $31. So, you know, for under 100 bucks, you can convert your floor tom into a bass drum with no permanent changes to the hardware. There you go. That's it. Boom. All right. That's all. Our folder is finally empty of months-old questions. Um, so awesome. <laughs> we will do an all-listener question episode very soon. I love it. Because I've got love it. a good half a pound of paper left to get oh, through. Goodness gracious. All right. It's time for our picks of the week. Uh, do you have one or do you want me to go? I have one. Uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, someone was asking about a solution for having click tracks on the gig where you could change very quickly, like there's minimal time in between songs. Um, I had suggested you might want to use Ableton Live with a laptop, but I forgot that the Pro Metronome app, which I use all the time as my primary metronome, has a really great set list feature that you can put all your songs for your, your show in there. You can set it in stage mode, and all the tempos are right in front of you. You can just click them, and within half a second, it's playing the next tempo. You can also set it up to repeat you know, go through your set list an exact number of repeats. So if you play your songs exactly the same every night and you know it's 90 measures, then you can set it to 90 and it'll go to the next song right away. Uh, it's nice. cool. I think it was a couple bucks to get the unlocked pro version. There's a free version. It doesn't have all the features. Just do it. Just, do just, it. Do just do pay it. the $3. It's Mike and I amazing. had to go down and get the boss doctor beat rhythm. For like a hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why, I, like, I've got... Like twenty six metronomes that I've paid a dollar ninety nine to three dollars for, and I still haven't come up to what it took me to buy one metronome back in the nineties. So yeah, exactly. So that's my that, pick of the week. Pro <laughs> metronome app. Get it. Get it. All right. <laughs> mine is something that's probably been both mine and Mike's picks of the weeks in past episodes, but haven't used it in a long time. And I wanted to make sure my new drum set was absolutely singing to its maximum potential. And what's crazy 
is Mike mentioned it when he heard the audio, and I used uh, the TuneBot, which I haven't used in a while. Okay, it's it's been here, and I just said, you know what? Let me just make sure I'm not doing this by ear. Let me make sure this is really as in tune as possible. And I just forgot how great that thing is if you know how to use it. Yeah, yeah, there is it a learning be frustrating. Curve. There's a learning curve, just like anything that does its job really well. But I, the way that I use it is, I get the drum to sound as close. As, as I can make it with my ear, and then I fine tune from there. What I don't do is put the tune bot on a slack head and start tuning it up. Uh-huh. I get the drum feeling and sounding how I like it, and then I f- I've always said they should rename it the fine tune bot because it's for fine tuning, and it's awesome at that. And then your yeah. drum, you just at least you know, okay, this is the maximum capability of this drum at this tuning range. This is what it can do if it's flawlessly in tune. And uh, and I really I really like it a lot. And I just like I said, I haven't used it in a while. I do have the newest version, and they've simplified it a lot. The um, Studio Toonbot Studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that one's and great. I, I just it, it's you know it's worth it, and especially if you're doing something where you're gigging a lot or you're tracking, it's just worth it to get your drums how you want them. You dig them, and then just throw that thing on, go around real quick, and really dial it in, and then you just know, cool. No weird frequencies. So, yeah, TuneBot is my pick of the week. I recommend it. All right, buddy. Well, everyone, please keep, yeah, uh, (laughs) if you can, give us a five star rating. Remember here to here. Oh, I have to shamelessly plug again that the Midwest Rhythm Summit is April 20th through the 22nd. I'm going to be there for those three days. Uh, More than likely doing a masterclass on that Saturday. Uh, you can go to midwestrhythmsummit.org to get more info. I think it's like 20 bucks for the whole thing. So if you're in the Detroit area or that, uh, what is the college, Terra State Community College area, please come down and hang out. It would be great to see you. And show Mike that you paid for the full version of the Metro Timer or the Pro Metro. <laughs> the <Gnome>. Pro Metro. <laughs> Dude, I literally have like a hundred of them on my phone. And all I care about, it's not the functionality. I just care about the sound. I can't yeah. stand. I, I like a specific metronome sound, so I'm always searching for the perfect one. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a fantastic week. You can keep sending in your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Review uh, the podcast wherever you're listening. Did I get it wrong? No, we totally forgot to talk about our intro <laughs> intro groove. <laughs> <laughs> well, he killed it. That was Luke. That's my man, Luke. <laughs> totally uh, forgot. Okay, the intro was Luke. Uh, and Luke was going through like a Neve board. (laughs) Yeah. He was going in, man. So that was Luke. And then we're going to end the show with Jason Reeve, my buddy over in the UK. He did the opposite. He's got a single mic that's going through, um, I guess it's straight into his his phone. He's got a single condenser. I love that bit. I love that bass drum compression that happens when you do that. Right, yeah. He's using a Pearl Sense Tone snare, some new beat hi-hats, a 20-inch sonar kick. And he says a very grumpy old Pisces 602. So let's let's kick the show out the door with Jason. Crushing it in 2018. (laughs) Mike and Mike. (laughs) 